Hello, friends. Josh Bow and Kirk Henderson coming to you once again. Uh, it's been a few days, but we're here. Uh, Josh, how are you? I'm good. I would like to apologize for the lack of our regular cadence. It's on me as I am navigating, uh, you know, newborn stuff. Gets, just new stuff I'm gets... moving. I don't want to do shit. <laughs> uh, I'm just, but, but, you know, we're here and, and we had talked about kind of doing an off-season uh, series and we'd done... Most of kind of the main core of the staff, or staff of of the roster, and then we just you know we're we're kind of getting to the back half, and it's a little less fun covering a few of these guys. But tonight we thought we'd talk about Dorian, Willie Cauley Stein, and Boban. So let's start with with Dorian, who you know is in he was in the what he's in the second to last year of a deal. Cause I'm I'm pretty sure 21, 22 is his last year of his deal, and he. Came into the season kind of as as a as a reliable Mav as any. Um and at some point in the year, the dude just caught fire. Right after he had a kid, he went on a stretch for a period of time where he was shooting just absurd numbers for him and really for anybody else at that point. So it was pretty fun uh watching him play. He was kind of a key part in a lot of kind of the Maverick resurgence in the second half of the year as they as they steadied the ship. I know he played a lot of minutes for a guy like him. The Mavs asked him to do a whole heck of a lot, probably well more than they should have. And, uh, you know, he, he for as far as guys, uh, you know, who mattered in those first two kind of playoff wins against the Clippers, he was, he was a big part. Yeah, and it was an interesting season for him because he started off so poorly and, you know, the team kind of started off so poorly. We were wondering – if there was, if last year was an outlier, uh, because I mean, really last season was his only legitimately good shooting season. Uh, but like you said, he, he caught fire, uh, February, he shot 40% from three April. He shot for 45, May he <laughs> shot 40, like that's, and on a, you know, on a decent number of attempts, that's like great for him. Uh, yeah. and it really, you know, it really coincided. Like you said, like when he, when he turned around his shooting, that's kind of when the team turned around. Uh, mm-hmm. It's winning ways from that COVID, from that really bad COVID stretch. But, but yeah, he see, he is fair or not. He's kind of like the barometer of Maverick success. When he is going well, the team is winning, and when he is not, the team usually is losing. Uh, simply because he's the only three and D wing on the roster. Uh, you know, you can maybe, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, is not that. You know, he's the only legitimate wing presence that can shoot threes and you can ask to be somewhat of a reliable defensive presence, whether it's team defense or defensive rebounding, you know, just something. Always and, plays hard. Always yeah. plays hard. And, and it's a lot and, of pressure because they don't they don't have anyone off the bench that does you know, like they just don't have any wings and that's been an issue for a while. Yeah, yeah. And he's you know, in the defensive stuff, I kind of, I don't like how they use him, but he's still kind of largely chaotic good. I I think that then his skill, which keeps him on the floor, even when his shot isn't falling, is he's a really spectacular offensive rebounder. He has a nose for the ball and offensive rebounding is, in my opinion, at least in like when it's a short series, is one of those things that the Mavericks can do differently because you know they got kp who's tall and rangy and then dorian just has a nose for the ball on that end and was all like he just seemed to i I can think of numerous instances where he came up with well-timed rebounds to give the mavericks an extra shot and and it's it's not something that's really like easily quantifiable i think but it's something that i just remember thinking happening at, at important times 
Yeah, definitely. He's a great rebounder. Uh, even defensive rebounding, he's good at that. He's pretty good at that too. Um, but yeah, he's you know, like I said, he's kind of the barometer. The Mavericks won those first two games, and he shot uh, five of nine from three in those two games. at eighteen points in game one. Uh, but then in games three through seven, he did not shoot very well at all, except for uh, game seven. He had a good game. But games three through six, uh, honestly, games two through six, he was not great. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that just, you know, and that's kind of, you know, the Mavericks kind of lost the series after those first two really good games. So it's not, like I said, it's not fair on him. And like you said, he does bring a lot of good things to the table, but it's, it's another, you know, we've, we've probably said it about every single guy. that's not Luca and KP in these, in these kind of reviews is he's just one or two spots higher than he should be in the rotation. Um, you know, he's, he's career, you know, seven and a half points per game score. Like the last two years, he's been right under 10 and it's like, He's kind of one of the things where we see those Mavs games where they lose and Luca has like 38 points and then the rest of the starters all have like like five and six and seven. And sometimes that's, you know, Dorian is one of those guys. And it's just if the Mavericks had like one or two more offense, good offensive players in their starting lineup, it, he would fit in much more smoothly and, and his his weaknesses wouldn't be felt so harshly. Uh, but there are times where the Mavericks need him to be their second or third best player, and that's just, like you said, that's just too much for. How many minutes per game did he play this year? You guys thirty-two. Sure. Okay, so thirty-two. If we're looking over the course of the year for a guy like him, I think he sort of maximizes his value if he's playing between twenty and twenty-five minutes a game, and he's probably the textbook example, uh, and has been for two straight seasons of guy who is playing a bit above his station. Uh, it's not like like I, I've kind of we've gotten into debates about as many will slack about whether or not he's even a starter for a lot of teams. A lot of a lot of guys seem to think he is and maybe he is. And that's not necessarily the point. It's kind of the role more than anything. And it's just when you're playing 32 minutes and then as the season goes on, I bet if you look at his game logs, he has minutes where he plays 31, 35, 38, 41 kind of thing. And it's just that's just too much for him. I mean, he's he's six, he was eight. at 30. He was at 38, almost 39 minutes a game in the playoffs. Which okay, and that's okay, and but that's a good like that's just a barometer for for me thinking that he's probably playing anywhere from six to twelve minutes too much for how good he is because he he probably is listed at six eight two and like two what I mean how much like two five he, he's there's no way in hell he is two twenty two twenty soaking wet maybe there is just no <laughs> way because Kawhi Leonard is like. 235 so you're telling me there's 15 pounds of difference between those humans absolutely not and it's just like the Mavs just it's just asked a little much of him and I suppose the question I'm thinking of it with what I'm building towards is is he kind of part of the Mavericks future or do you think they they attempt to move on from him before they have to make the choice as to whether they they pay him because his next contract he will demand and should demand more right I think it's less of a question of is he a part of our future yes no it's is he in the way of our future mm. like I, I if you can keep him around why not but if he if his presence is either blocking someone younger and more talented or someone that fits the timeline better or fits the rotation better or you know he needs to be included in a trade or something like that you know he's not he's someone that you go okay like you don't you don't lose sleep over moving him if he needs to be moved to make the team better but on the other end of the spectrum, like he's so cheap, like his his cost is so cheap. And even, you know, next season when he, you know, 
when he uh, will hit the market next summer, I still can't imagine he's going to be like, I mean, he makes four, four million a year right now is, I mean, is he going to make, he's not, I can't imagine he makes more than, you know, 12, 30, like he's still no, not no, going to be like, an average. To me, he's like the mid-level exception guy. Yeah. He's the yeah. guy like Jay Crowder who a team is like, all right, this is the piece. This is the rotational piece that really helps us. Right. So if the, if the Mavericks can find a way for him to be the fifth best player in the starting lineup, or maybe like their first wing, you know, even off the bench. And that's again, no disrespect to him because the Mavericks had no one to come in off the bench to relieve him, to fill his specific role. Uh, like they literally had no one. And it's really funny when you consider their entire off season was trying to get more wings and it ended up Dorian was still a man on an Island uh, at, at that position. So if they could do that, they should keep him. But if sure. it's something like, Hey, we can get this talented player. That's going to, your second or third best player but dorian has to go and you just you know that's that's the league and you and you, and you send him on his way and you you pat him on the head and you shake his hand and you say thanks for the thanks for your service and and send him on his way well that's about all we got for for dorian <laughs> i i i crush him during the season sometimes i wish he wouldn't dribble but overall i think he's kind of the poster child for undrafted success for the mavericks i'm i'm i mean he's really they've maximized him and i think it's great Mm-hmm. Um, the next person we wanted to talk about was Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein came to the Mavericks last year uh, and then didn't go to the bubble for, I'm pretty sure that he was, you know, I can't remember what the his personal wife, reasons were. His wife was pregnant. Okay, so there's enough, like, questions back then to where he just, uh, he opted he opted out, and that's fine. He can't, you know, he had a bunch of hilarious off-season workout videos. The Mavericks then signed him to a two-year uh, I was like two for eight, I want to say. So four million yeah. each year with a team option, you know, for a guy like when it comes to just like raw size, uh, I think people don't who don't go to games regularly kind of don't see the value in it. And and Willie Colstein is an enormous person. Um, he's slightly correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I've seen Tyson Chandler. But my memory tells me that he's kind of a slightly stockier size wise compared to Tyson. Is that fair? Uh maybe a little. Uh he might just be taller. I think but he he's is taller. a legit he's a he's a tall man. Yes. And, yes. He's and, a legit seven footer. And and just an Uber athlete and absolutely has no idea how to play basketball. Um <laughs> he his high point for me came right before the COVID outbreak when he helped uh defend uh Jokic early in the season and stonewalled him or to an early Mavericks win and we thought oh man man maybe we turned a corner with Willie Collie Stein and then for the rest of the year just kind of lots of ups and downs he couldn't convert dunks for a huge portion of the season in a way that was like nearly embarrassing and then towards the end of the year he he seemed to find something um a little bit of a role you know it, it he's just never been able to put his extreme athleticism into any consistent basketball usage and i understand why fans are tantalized by him but it, it ain't gonna happen yeah and uh he uh, he has the honorable distinction i believe he leads the mat he led the mavericks in net Plus ratings minus. yeah he yeah, was, for, uh, for anyone that played at least like 300 minutes uh he led the team he had he, the mavericks when he was on the floor Mavericks offensive rating 114.4, defensive rating 105. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, and uh, he kind of stabilized their defense a little bit early in the season when things yeah. just looked really bad. Um, so he helped. Uh, he helped more than he did last season, I think. Uh, but, you know, like you said, he just 
too many too many brain dead plays that made him hard to trust uh the offense with him rolling to the rim and how inefficient he was as a as a as a pick and roll finisher was truly truly like hilarious like it just shouldn't be that bad but at, at the end better. of the day he did he get did. better he did um but he still finished in the 63rd percentile as a pick and roll roll man um which is actually like you said he got better he was like he was like in the 40s. Uh, mm-hmm. He was not doing well early in the season. Uh, he only scored one point. Like, this is pretty bad. Like, I mean, he only scored 1.17 points per possession as a roll man. And you have to remember, he's not shooting threes. So those right. are all, you know, in the paint dunks. Uh, he he shot 62% as a roll man in the pick and roll. And if you want uh, a comparison point of a similar player, Dwight Dwight Powell shot 68%. Yeah. So, like, when when people tell me, I just want to make this point real, real fast. Uh, when people say like Dwight Powell, like, oh, he just plays with Luca. Like they can get anyone, and he can do that. Like, no, that's a skill. Like playing in the pick and roll as a big, as a role man, is a skill. Like you can't just be athletic and expect to just get your, you know, walk into uh, a bunch of points. Like it requires, you know, timing. It requires knowing, you know, having a chemistry with your ball handler. It requires being able to read the floor. It requires being able to finish at different angles and different uh, contest points because you're not always going to get a clean, clean look at the rim. Uh, so like, I, I just want to say like, that's an example. Like it's a skill. It's not just, you can throw anyone out there and Luke is going to make him Luke will make him better, but only to a certain extent. So uh, I just want to get that off my chest a little, a little bit, but he, he did about what it was expected of him. I, I yep. think you could say. Yep. Yep. And, and for backup bigs, uh, he, he did okay. He, he, you know, I, I, I was not happy with the signing less about him and more because it said to me that the Mavericks don't actually have a plan. And in retrospect, we were right. Um, I, I'm going to be curious to see what they do with his team option, because at a certain point when you're at, when you're at these lower end salaries, it's kind of whatever. Um, unless they're really trying to squeeze someone under the cap, I bet they decline his team option. I really do. And then it wouldn't shock me if he comes back for something within that range, probably a little less. Right. Um, Declining his option will make it a little easier to if they need to fit something in. Right, you know? right. And he's working out in the area, and he seems to, you know, he has a young child. He seems to, to you know, he did, certainly was not a problem child. He he went no. long stretches without playing very much, and seemed you know seems like a genuine like like in ter- on the teammate scale. You know he's always up clapping. Like I just I don't I I like watching him play. I just I wish he could have harnessed his his kind of natural ability a little more. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I and I I think what's frustrating about him and then like someone like Trey Burke is you kind of feel like if it, like the Mavericks are the only reason that he's he's staying around you know like he mean he was not i mean he was on he did not impress in golden state and you know the mavericks only traded a second rounder for him so you almost get the feeling that if the mavericks didn't sign him last year like would he have been on a team you know at the start of last season and 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 you think about how many minutes he had to end up playing and it's like well he did good but it's like it just it's that problem with the mavericks of their the talent is like they just need more talent and and mm-hmm. and you know, it's not it's not Willie's fault necessarily. It's just the fact that they have to keep relying on so many so many of these guys that they're almost pulling off the street in a, in a way. And then, last but not least, we have kind of fan favorite and and really just all around interesting, you know, human and then surprisingly relevant basketball player, 
in the playoffs, Boban Marjanovic, <laughs> uh, who, you know, he was signed to, this was the, the last year of a two-year deal. Um, he's an older player, surprisingly, when you look at his age, because I, I don't think he came over to the NBA until he was like 27. Yep. Um, he's everyone's favorite teammate. Bit of a goofball, kind of helped keep Luca in a happier place, but he, he was the closest thing to the team that as the team had to a vet, so to speak, like that kind of quote unquote, like the Brea, the Brea role the year prior. Um, I don't really recall any regular season games where he did much of anything. Uh, he played a lot with the rookies during garbage minutes, which was strange where we never we were, Bob, you know, the, the thing about Boban is that when Boban is in the game, the offense becomes about Boban, whether it means to or not, it sort of has to, because otherwise there's no real reason for him to be on the floor. Um, and, you know, the Mavericks ended up going with him in game, was it four or five? And I they guess went game- to him in game four. And, and they, you know, he played a number of finals games. He was kind of the center of a zone with him and Porzingis along the back line, which statistically didn't work out very well for them, but it mucked things up enough to kind of throw the Clippers off their rhythm most games, even though they actually scored against it quite well in the, in the points per possession. Um, offensively, I don't think Boban was that good in the playoffs, but I really could be wrong. I just remember lots of like opportunities that he just didn't convert well enough. Um, other than that, though, he, he kind of became the poster child of Rick Carlisle Carl, Carl either throwing shit against the wall or depending on who, which kind of sourcing you choose to believe, uh, the, the, play, the player he was told to insert in the starting lineup by the analytics staff, including Haraloboth Volgaris, and I, you know, I don't know what to believe. I'm not sure it really matters. Like Rick really was out of options by, but you know, they, they tried everything against the Clippers and, and like we keep coming back to, they just weren't good enough, but his season overall is, you know, it's fine. I, I, I have no idea if he'll be back. Like the Mavericks can really only afford one wasted roster spot on a, on a part-time player, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think he's got one more year left, right? Like he's going to be back this season. Uh, is he? I could have sworn I, it was a two-year deal. Oh no, it was a three-year deal. Man, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so we get one more. I, I'm almost confident we get one more season of Boban, whether we whether we like it or not. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Like it's kind of funny because you think about his insertion in the lineup. So, Dallas Morning okay. News says seven year, seven million over two years. Oh, okay. I'm wrong. My bad. That was way back. I, I, I it's okay. It was just. Okay. A, I mean, maybe they will resign him. Yeah, maybe they will. Um, and I, it's kind of funny because in your head you think about they put in Boban. And you kind of feel like it kind of worked in a, in a way, like not necessarily, like you said, statistically, but like it, it just kind of, it changed the way the series was going, which was the Mavericks giving up a million, a million points in the paint uh, per game. Uh, but the Mavericks lost three out of the four games Boban started. Uh, he started the last four games, they lost three out of four of them. So like he wasn't, he didn't really stem the tide. In game six, he shot five of 13 from the floor, which is probably where you're thinking about all those opportunities he missed. Like, and when you consider five of 13 for Boban, that's uh, that's a bunch of misses right at the basket. Um, you know, he rebounded okay, and he did stop the Clippers. Like, the Mavericks' defense was so bad in those first three games that Rick Carlisle basically said, okay, we're we were literally giving up practice quality layup lines in these first three games that I'm so desperate to stop that, that 
that my defensive strategy is going to be put Boban in the game and dare the best three-point shooting team in the league to shoot threes. Uh, it was kind of crazy because that's how – I mean, those first three games, man, I mean, especially game three, it was it was insane how easy the Clippers were able to get to the basket, whether it was, you know, Kristaps or Maxi not providing enough rim protection, uh, you know, guys like Dorian and Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Brunson not uh, being quality defenders at the point of attack and just – getting repeatedly blown by, you know, include Josh Richardson in there as well. Uh, so it was kind of crazy. Like Boban had to play and and they did a bit, much better job guarding the rim because I mean, with Kristaps and Boban, it just, you know, you can't you, like the height was there. Like, you, you know, you can scheme around all you want, but when you have two seven footers that were standing near the basket for most of the game, it just made it harder. But then of course the Clippers picked it up from three and they started making their threes uh, and the Mavericks lost. So yeah, Boban, another, you know, I feel like all three of these guys are examples of being relied on too much. Like, Boban should have never played in this series. Like, yep. if the Mavericks are a team that, that they want to be in the second year of Luka Doncic and, and wanting to win a playoff series, he should have never played. Like, he played because other players ahead of him failed to meet their expectation. Um, so that's kind of the theme of the season. You can, you can probably say for the Mavericks. So once again, not necessarily Boban's fault, just kind of admission that the rest of the roster just from top to bottom, uh, behind Luca has to get better. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, Josh, I don't really think there's too much more going on. There's certainly not been any <laughs> news. Um, the, the only kind of last tidbits we could really touch on is, is it, it feels like the Mavs are in the, the part of free agency where they're calling up anyone under the sun and they're like interested in everyone, which makes it really hard to figure out who they're actually interested in because I don't know if it's different than previous years, but it just, there's, there's a lot going on that's not really portable or really worth discussing i mean i think we have 10-ish days until free agency starts something like that and then you know there we will at least be able to talk about how luca looks in fiba basketball at some, at some point very soon which is exciting um i don't know but you got anything else no it's uh, i'm a little i think mark cuban was on the radio uh interview and the reason why you might not really have a good idea of what the mavericks are doing is because he's mark cuban is currently filming shark tank mm. so uh <laughs> he gave like a comment about like how he's like talking to nico harrison in between uh during shoot breaks uh when they're taking a break from shooting uh so let's hope we don't have another uh darren williams uh, episode this summer because lord oh, knows goodness. i don't think our hearts can take that Oh goodness! Hope, let's hope Shark Tank finishes filming real soon. We'll see. We'll say. see. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Josh and I will probably try to do something middle of next week. Maybe I'm going to record a green room tomorrow, which will go up Saturday, and then I'm like weirdly by myself before I move to Texas on Sunday. Um, so I may like record one out of like sheer loneliness um, before <laughs> I move, but. You know, we're just kind of, you know, we're, we're, we want to stay in y'all's ears, but we don't want to take up too much of your time because you got a lot of options with your podcast choices. Uh, Josh, you got anything else? No, I'm good. Awesome. We managed to keep one of these at about 25 minutes. This has been <laughs> Josh Bow and Kirk Henderson at Mavs Moneyball. Please keep coming to the site. We have tons of stuff. Uh, rate and subscribe. Tell your friends. Otherwise, we will talk to you soon.